Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number four in this series, The Coming King. And today we're going to talk about knowing what's coming. Now, this is so crucially important. You know, Jesus said that it was absolutely essential that we count the cost in every situation. If you know what's if you know what you're going to face, if you know what you're up against, and if you will count the cost and make the decision in advance, the truth is it is easy to win every battle. It's easy to, to conquer in every situation because you know what's coming. You have count the cost. You've made the decision. Now, one of the reasons for prophecy, especially end-time prophecies, is this is where we get to know in advance what's coming. And because God so accurately reveals all of these things, then uh, we know we can rely on his word. It's, it, sadly, everything that helps us trust God more, religion always seeks to destroy. And I tell you, religion has made a mess out of prophecy, especially end-time prophecies. So there are hundreds, there's, over, there's around 2,500 end-time prophecies. There's more prophecies about the time that we live in right now than there is any other time in history. And the real truth is we don't have to be in the dark. And the Apostle Paul talks about that. We are children of the light. We have the light. We have the truth. And we don't have to be taken by surprise by anything. So I want to share with you some things that are going to come to pass prior to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to get you to live like a pie in the sky and a great by and by, and you're just looking to the future and doing nothing about life right now. That is not what this is about. This is about giving you peace and confidence as the days get darker and darker, and that you really trust God more. You're, you're more peace with God than you've ever been in any situation, and you can make the time count that we have here on planet Earth. Now, it's very important that you understand there is a difference between the rapture and the second coming. One of the reasons many people do not believe in the rapture, or many people become so critical of the concept of the rapture, and some people even use this as a way to discredit the Bible, because there are scriptures that talk about the second coming of Jesus, and scriptures that talk about the rapture, and they sound very similar, but they're not. They are not the same. And unfortunately, because of the small discrepancies in them, people either attempt to combine them together into one prophecy or into one teaching, or they use it as a way to discredit and jumble the whole thing up and make everything uh, uh, non-intelligible, if you will. But uh, knowing the difference, let me tell you one of, the, one of the main differences in the rapture and in the second coming. In the rapture, Jesus takes the church, the bride of Christ, out of planet Earth. In the second coming, we come back with him to rule and reign for a thousand years. 
And, uh, and and so there's all of these scriptures that sound so contradictory when you start looking at, you know, you'll read scriptures where it talks about uh, him coming like a thief in the night and how difficult it is to know these signs. And you read other scriptures that say that when he comes back, we'll see him. It'd be like lightning, you know, from the east to the west. Everybody will see him. Every eye will look upon him. And so people get really, really confused. Well, these are talking about two different events. When the rapture occurs, it will be like a thief in the night. Uh, uh, and a lot of believers won't even be ready for the rapture. When the second coming happens and it occurs, it is going to be obvious to everyone on the planet. Now, let me just say this. The word rapture, and this is another reason why some people get very critical. And you say, what's this got to do with what's coming? You'll see in just a minute. Just hang in there with me. Uh, the word rapture is not in the English or the Greek New Testament. The word rapture comes from a, a medieval uh, Latin word, uh, raptura, which means to seize or to kidnap or to, you know, to snatch something away or to carry something off. Now, in the Greek, it, that is actually the word harpazo, and it does mean to seize. It does mean to carry something away or to take something away, uh, you know, or to lift something up and take it away. Now, we have, uh, first, we, we have very explicit teaching about the rapture. Also, we have types uh, that symbolize the rapture in the Old Testament scripture. And by the way, if you want to know more about the rapture, look at my series, The Morning After, where I talk about how much the world is going to change immediately after, uh, after the rapture. Now, again, there are those who belittle the idea of a rapture because of some of these reasons that I have mentioned. I think one of the main reasons people belittle the teaching of the rapture is because like so many teachings that really are scriptural, people uh, twist the scripture. They try to make the scriptures say something that they're not really saying. And, and so it, it really takes away from the credibility of the teaching of that subject. You know, for example, you know, in the book of Acts, the, you know, uh, the question is asked to, the church at Ephesus, I think it was, one of the churches, it says, so have, I think the apostle Paul, you know, he goes and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And, uh, uh, and so the Pentecostals would take that and say that, that if you haven't received their version of receiving the Holy Spirit, that you weren't really saved. Or they, or that, or they would say that you could be saved and not receive the Holy Spirit. Well, that, that's totally false because you get born again by the Spirit. And so, so because of the way people twisted that scripture to try to make it fit their preferences, it really took away a lot of the credibility of the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Likewise, on this deal about the rapture, many people have taught a pre-trib rapture in a very irresponsible way, and it makes people legitimately question, well, wait a minute. And, and, you know, I'm among that group. It's like, like, don't tell me that just because there's a tribulation going on that God's going to forcibly snatch everybody off planet Earth that, that ever called on the name of Jesus. You know, I've got a lot of questions about who's going to participate in the rapture. Uh, and, and I don't know that it's going to happen without faith on the part of the individual, because every type in the Old Testament we have about, about 
a, a rapture, uh, there had to be faith on the part of the individual that was going to participate in it. And so I'm, I'm not trying to define a lot of things that the Bible doesn't give us a clear understanding for, but I am just trying to say, but there is a rapture. I don't understand all there is about it, but there is one. And I'm not going to deny it just because of the irresponsible theology that many or many people have have uh, used to try to create their preferences uh, about the rapture. But but let me tell you this, one of the reasons that there will be a rapture, and one of the reasons there's never been a rapture before now. First of all, the tribulation, uh, according to the Bible, is going to be worse than any tribulation that has ever occurred in the history of the world from creation until now. And so, uh, and then secondly, the fact that it is worldwide. You know, listen, Christians in China, Christians in Russia, Christians in uh, Afghanistan, Christians all over the world have been and are still being martyred on a daily basis. People, Christians are being imprisoned. People are being uh, like I say, they are being martyred continually. So tribulation is not new, but this is going to be the first time there's going to be a tribulation that's going to take place around the entire world, and it's going to be worse than anything that, that we have ever faced. Also, this tribulation is designed to make it completely illegal for there to be the worship of any god other than the Antichrist who will, who will emerge and declare himself to be God. And so like the time of the Nephilim, when, uh, uh, when there was the flood, uh, the salvation of the world hung in the balance, and that's why there had to be a flood. Well, likewise, the salvation of the people remaining on planet Earth is going to hang in the balance and there will reach an escalation of evil, darkness, tribulation, persecution, and martyrdom that will be so great that if God does not intervene, then, then millions and millions and millions of people will be alienated from God and never come to know the salvation of God. So also, because of the rise of the Antichrist, uh, it is essential that uh, that Jesus himself come back and actually defeat the Antichrist and conquer the dragon, the beast. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not going as deeply in that as we could right here. But th but you know, there are many people who teach and believe that the church will in fact conquer the Antichrist, and that we will be the ones who establish the kingdom of God here on earth. Well, I'm going to be talking about that in the next session, because there's nowhere in the Bible that teaches that the church is going to win that battle. Jesus himself is going to win that battle, and he's going to win that battle in a way that is so unique and so phenomenal that I'm, telling you, I'm, I'm just busting at the seams to share this with you, uh, because it's going to be a great eye-opener for you. And the fact that Jesus himself is going to win that battle is so encouraging for those of us who might be here and be facing times of tribulation. You know, uh, whatever the rapture is, uh, I could debate I could debate a pre-trib rapture and, and win the debate. I could debate 
a mid-trib rapture and win the debate. I could debate a post-trib rapture and win the debate. So I'm I'm just saying that, you know, I've got some opinions, I've got some thoughts, but I'm saying I am not trying to say that I know all of the answers about when the the rapture will take place. I'm just saying there's going to be one. I have some thoughts about it. You can reach your own conclusions. Uh, but, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he went to preach the gospel to uh, the people in Thessalonica, he talked to them about the rapture. He talked to them about the second coming. He talked to them about some things that we, uh, as far as we can tell at this point, we don't have a clear understanding of in Scripture. Now, one of the things that happened, and this is one of the reasons Paul wrote two letters to the Thessalonians, was that uh, after his first letter, people came on the scene trying to say that the rapture had already taken place. And I'll tell you, these people, these Thessalonians, they went into a panic thinking they had been left behind and there was something wrong with them. And so, so Paul wrote the first letter and making some references to the second coming and even to the rapture. But then he wrote the second letter to clarify all of the lies that had been told by these troublemakers. First Thessalonians 4, 14. And again, we're talking about counting the cost. I'm going to show you the sequence of some events that are going to happen, and how that if we know these things are going to happen through the prophecy, that's what this is. This is a prophecy about the end times. If we see this, if we know this, then as these things happen, we don't panic. We don't get into fear. We don't, you know, we don't bury our heads in the sand. We don't get suicidal. Uh, we actually get bold because, because we know that if God foretold these bad things, uh, and they're happening just exactly as he foretold them, then the good things and the intervention that he's going to bring about is going to be just as dependable as these bad things. Let me mention, by the way, uh, and I don't know what what sales are going right now. You know, I'm not I'm not offering a special series for this uh, this event right here. I do want to encourage you in 2023 if you want to help us raise up one billion disciples around the world, train leaders all over the world so that we can help take the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. And I want you to go to impactministries.com and check out our world changers. And I want you to join with us. I want you to help us. And I will keep investing in your life. And together we will invest in the world and we will do what we're supposed to be doing at this time in history. So first Thessalonians 4, 14, uh, Paul's writing. He says, for if he says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Let me say the first thing here that you want to realize is that uh, participating in what Jesus uh, is doing in the end times is like all things. It depends on us believing. It depends on us having faith that he's actually going to do things and committing ourselves because faith commits itself to what uh, it believes. So the question is, do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? If you do, then uh, then it's easy to believe that God uh, will bring with him, with the Lord Jesus, those who sleep. Those, you know, you know, he doesn't use the term dead so much as he uses the term sleep because because they are not dead; they are alive. They just exist in another realm. Verse 15 says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, 
that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet, trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord uh, in the air. Now, let me, let me just say this. That word caught up is the Greek word harpazo, and it's talking about a catching away, a drawing away, almost like a kidnapping where people are taken away from planet Earth. Now, I can remember as a new believer looking at this and thinking, this sounds kind of hokey that we're going to be caught up with him in the clouds. But when you look at the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he ascended into heaven, this is exactly what he did. We will ascend in the same manner that Jesus did after being raised from the dead. And, and it goes on to say that we will meet him in the air. And uh, by the way, when it, when it talks about this in the air, it's talking about uh, really a, a certain altitude. It's a beyond the realm of the altitude of this earth where there, where there are demonic forces that can have influence. Uh, but anyhow, so, but he goes on to say, and, and then we will be with the Lord and, uh, and actually we'll be with him forever, the, the word of God teaches. And so the Apostle Paul says, comfort each other with these words. Now, in one place, Paul calls this the great hope. The great hope that we have as the world gets darker and darker, and the comfort that we have is, first of all, as the body of Christ, we are going to be caught away. Now, one of the things that I'm hoping I will have time to talk about in this series in upcoming weeks is the fact that uh, what God is doing uh, in the nation of Israel is very, very different. And this is another point of confusion. Many times we try to overlap the church and the nation of Israel. And, you know, there is a, 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 a substitution theology, which is, which on some level can make some sense, but, but we are replacement theology. We don't replace Israel. Israel uh, has prophecies and promises made as a nation to them, and they will come to pass independent of what God does with the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And, uh, and man, I'm telling you, if you get mixed up on what prophecies refer to Israel, what prophecies refer to the church, you will be confused. But anyhow, so he says, comfort each other with these words. And he goes on to say, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So we know that, that the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. And, and we're talking about the time when, when the bride of Christ is caught up, snatched up, and meets him in the air. And presumably, we meet him in the air, and we get to partake of the wedding feast of the Lamb. And uh Again, there's a lot of things that I don't think we can be 100% clear on the exact sequence, but we can know that these things are going to happen. But he says that when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. 
we are not of night or darkness. One of the things you've got to understand, the word of God is the light. And uh, the, the Bible actually states this uh, in several places, that the word is the light. And so people who ignore the word, which would include these prophecies and warnings about the end time, these are people who, they may be born again, but they're not walking in the light. They are rejecting the light. They're rejecting the understanding. They're rejecting what they could see and know. So they won't count the cost. They won't be ready. And uh, many of those people, who, who knows what's going to happen, what kind of pain and suffering they're going to face because they will not walk in the light of God's word. But we do know that a time is going to come and it's going to be it's going to be around this time of the harpazo and we do know that this is going to be a time when suddenly the earth is going to think they have found the solution to peace on earth and having safety on earth they think that they're going to bring peace to the world and the antichrist will rise and he will make a peace pact with Israel that will bring peace to the Middle East. And I'm telling you, if you knew the negotiations that were going on right now in Israel, you would think, oh man, we're closer to this than I ever imagined that, that we would be. And But the problem is, this is a false peace. It will not last. And ultimately, this is a time that the Antichrist will use to deceive the nation of Israel and, uh, and actually will turn on the nation of Israel. So I, I can't go into great detail on this because of the time. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober for those who sleep, sleep in the night, those who get drunk, get drunk at night. And this is not just talking about drinking alcohol. This is talking about being spiritually drunk, being spiritually insensitive, being spiritually intoxicated so that we are not aware of what's going on around us. But now verse nine says this, for God did not appoint us to wrath. Now, this is the thing that you have to understand. And this is one of the great comforting factors in this passage of scripture paul wants you to understand just as he does in all of his letters that we have been delivered from the wrath of god the tribulation the seven-year tribulation is kicked off by the tribulation of the antichrist not the tribulation of god and three and a half years into the tribulation of the antichrist is where god pours his wrath out on the Antichrist and his followers, but that wrath is not for believers. You know, the, most people believe that the tribulation, the last seven years, that this is a time when God's so sick of the world that he pours his wrath out on, on the church and on everybody. No, I got news for you. That is not scriptural. That contradicts everything that the Bible teaches us about what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. We are not appointed to wrath, but we are appointed to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we are awake or whether we are asleep, we will be together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you're doing. So man, in this passage of scripture here, he is pointing out that this is our basis of comfort, knowing that this is not the wrath of God. You know, when the, when the Antichrist is unleashes torment on, on on the nation of Israel and and to the degree that before we are raptured the whole world is facing the persecution of believers this is not God doing this I think I think one of the reasons there's going to be a great falling away is because so many believers think that's going to be God that does that 
Well, Second Thessalonians, I got to hurry through this because, man, I'm covering a ton of information. He says, let no man deceive you by any means, for the day will not come unless. So Second Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 3, starts telling us some things that we can understand or that we can look for uh, to anticipate this day, this thing called the harpazo. First of all, he says, there's going to be a falling away. You know what? I don't know fully what that means. I, I, I just know that people are going to turn their backs on God. I believe I believe this is going to happen with believers. It's going to be happening with unbelievers. And this is going to turn the whole world in looking for a Savior. And this will cause them to turn to the man of sin, the, the son of perdition, the one that we call the Antichrist. And in verses 3 and 4, it goes on to say that, that he will oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So we know that one of the things that has to happen, there has to be a falling away. We know that the man of sin has to be revealed. Is he going to be revealed through the seven-year peace treaty that he makes with Israel? Or is he going to be revealed when, uh, as it says down here in verse, uh, in verse 5, or verse 4, rather, that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. And so we know that he'll make this seven-year peace treaty, and three and a half years into the peace treaty, he will break the treaty, and he will sit on the throne in the temple and declare himself to be God. Well, this means that the temple will have to be rebuilt in order for him to do this. And uh, uh, and then it says that the next thing, it says uh, in verse 5, it says, Do you remember that when I was with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So there is something right at this point that is still restraining the rise of the Antichrist to full power. But somehow, whatever that is, and I have a lot of different ideas. Most people would say it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on that, but I am just saying right now, the only reason the Antichrist has not been risen to full power to unleash all of his persecution on the earth is because there is something that is restraining him. So, so we have we have the Antichrist being revealed. We know it's going to happen through first through a peace pact. We know that there's going to be a great falling away. We know that the Antichrist is going to exalt himself as God. We know that whatever it is that is restraining the rise of the Antichrist is going to be removed. We know that lawlessness has been at work in the earth ever since uh, Adam rebelled in the Garden of Eden, and uh, and that the uh, the ultimate expression of the Antichrist is lawlessness, is the rejecting of the law and the commandments of God as the basis for all righteousness, morals, values, and ethics. But then what happens next is that, and, and we're gonna. This is what we're going to get into next week is that Jesus himself, in verse 8, is going to destroy the lawless one, the son of perdition. In other words, you know, we don't need to get discouraged. I tell you if, you, if you, if you start hoping and thinking that the church is going to get holy enough, powerful enough to actually be able to do this, you'll, you'll always be discouraged because you look around, and you're thinking, that ain't happening. 
So listen, share this with people and see if we know these things are coming it, as they start to unfold, we know that the rapture is either going to happen at the beginning of these things unfolding or they're going to happen very soon after. And that's going to prepare the way for what's going to happen on planet Earth and ultimately lead to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. So listen, share this with your friends. We want to keep sharing information with you about this. I will be I will be popping out something that's going to be so encouraging next week. It's going to be hard to believe. All right. I'll talk to you then. Be sure and join me. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.